Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to episode 17 of WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT, and joining me, as always, in this ongoing project is my buddy Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Uh, JT, I'm pumped to be here. Excited to talk about WrestleMania 2000. Going to give out some awards as well. Uh, summer is heating up. We're getting there. Uh, I'm really excited. Looking forward to it. So uh, I'm just pumped. I'm pumped. Pumped to be here. Love everything about it. Yeah, it's a big episode because we're wrapping up yet another season here. Uh, our, what, third season in full we're bringing to a yes. close? Yep. Started with 94-95, went through 11-12, and now we are wrapping 99-2000. It's been a fun season to talk about, a lot of nostalgia in this period. And as we've discussed, a lot going on for sure. Um, as uh, Controversially, so we're 799 is our, is our top show right now. And if you're new to the program, welcome aboard. You should probably check out the others before diving in, but maybe you want to check us out here. Uh, we do a plus-minus system-based uh, breakdown of every WWF pay-per-view of all time, but we're looking at these by season, not by you know calendar year. We're looking at it by what we consider to be the, the wrestling season for this company, which is starting with the month after WrestleMania in a given year up until the following calendar year as WrestleMania. So for 99-2000, for example, we started at Backlash 99. The season ends with WrestleMania 2000, and we'll have some awards at the end as well. We have a series of categories that Marcus will talk about in a minute where we break down uh, all of these pay-per-views in, and we really try and run the gamut. Like, we give... Uh, you know, points for various things, including uh, up and down, not just mass quality, 
other uh, intangibles that we'll talk about. So we really try and give a holistic look at these pay-per-views in a very different light. It's the metrics we've come up with this project. And this is one way for you to look at these different pay-per-views and rank the seasons and the events themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you want, I can run down those categories right now. Yes, do that. Sweet. Uh, so we start off with build. Uh, what was the TV like? Any memorable moments or angles going into the event? Commentary. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. The atmosphere of the event itself. Uh, it could be anything from sets to crowd reaction um, and anything in between there as far as overall atmosphere of the event. Notable moments and important. Uh, these are things that happen on the show, maybe important angles or uh, big title wins, stuff like that. Uh, our match grades, of course, factor into the overall grading of the show. We have card structure. Uh, were matches properly placed? You know, was there a big match where maybe a big match shouldn't have been? Was there a hot opener, a stinky opener? Uh, we take that into consideration. Rewatchability, uh, and that's a category we give to moments and also like fun matches as well mm-hmm. um, that maybe don't quite uh, crack our next category, and that would be all-time matches. So anything that JT and I give a score of 4.252 and above, we count that as an all-time match. Um, and so that that uh, that is a category where they can get an extra point, but also uh, they can also lose a point due to all-time bad matches. So uh, you can give and take there with the good and the bad. And then the we all-time add bad all-time. is yeah, and the all-time bad is if we both go uh, three quarters of a star or lower, so point seven. That's right. Yep. And then yeah, yep, Marcus, you're right. If we add all that up, and that gives us our final score. And that final score is how we then composite rank all of these events um, by those totals. So one of the categories we extrapolate on is match grades. We rank, we, we uh, rate every match on the show. And then as we'll talk about in a minute, we kind of take an average of our scores. We round them based on an average match grade and then total that up. And that counts toward that, that column there. Uh, so we have our final show of the season tonight. That means we begin with WrestleMania 2000, Marcus. And uh, that, of course, occurred on April 2nd, 2000 from the Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim. So we're back in Anaheim. This felt a little bit rare for them. And this, I mean, only four years after the last time we were there, WrestleMania 12, we're right back into Anaheim for a, uh, for a WrestleMania. Just under 20,000 in attendance, a very strong buy rate of eight, 824,000 buys. And this, you know, 2000s often looked at calendar year wise as like, perhaps their greatest year um one of the most successful years and uh one of the most aware years pop culturally and i think most have looked at this mania historically as kind of a down uh mania or or disappointing mania from what you know in such a just monster year for them yeah and i think one thing this card does have working in in its advantage is you get to see all the acts and Mm -hmm. i think you know 99 and 2000 are very character heavy um and you know that went to the benefit of the very controversial SummerSlam 1999 that we covered uh but there's a lot of characters a lot of acts that you get to see and this show does have like some story tie-in even though it's not like the big wrestlemania blow-offs you might be thinking of when you think about wrestlemania uh so i'm interested to get into it and to see how everything grades out um you did mention that like it's a pretty quick turnaround for a venue uh they were there in 96 for wrestlemania 12 they're back here again for wrestlemania 2000 now 
that is only four years, but like it's two completely different eras with mm-hmm. like with like an in between period in between two with like yes. ninety seven. So it's almost like three different <laughs> eras have passed. Um, but how did you feel about um, WrestleMania back in the pond in Anaheim? Well, it's interesting uh, because I think historically Anaheim has always been looked at as a quiet crowd, right? Not like a hot crowd. We'll be curious. We'll get into that tonight if it, if that trope holds up. I thought 12, they earned that reputation a bit, but 12 was also kind of a weird card um, with all the Piper stuff out, you know, outside and then the hour long main event, it, you know, was tough. So we'll see how 16 holds up. There's some interesting things about this card that we'll get into. Of course, it's very infamously known as being the only WrestleMania with no singles matches uh, besides the one Dongathon, but you know, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, there's no singles matches on this card. And, also kind of the shoehorning of the main event, right? Like it seemed like there was a very logical main event for the show. We end up with this convoluted four way with the McMahons all over the place. So there's a lot of questionable things um, that we'll get into as we dive in. And one other, but actually two of the interesting things to note for the show. So the night before this, we had the return to Saturday Night Live of WF wrestlers. I think it had been the first time. Was it the first time since Hogan and T that they hosted? I think it was, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so The Rock hosts, and of course, he's there to, uh, I guess, was The Mummy? The Mummy was coming out, or had it come out? Ooh, uh, I can look that up real quick. That'd be The Mummy 2 he was in, right? Yeah, because Scorpion King's later. Or was he solely on for wrestling? I thought he was on because of the mummy, but you know what? Maybe he was on just because of the WrestleMania, which is possible. But either way, the Rock hosts. Mummy, and, uh, excuse me, the uh, Mummy Returns doesn't come out till May fourth, two thousand one. So okay. he's on there just as a wrestler. Okay, which is cool. Um, so really, the first ones in Hogan and T, because not even like Austin ever did it in his peak. So pretty big deal that Rock does this, and it's a great Raw. Um, I mean, great raw. It's a great sign uh, live. They have so much um, build and hype for the next night. Like they have uh, Rock, Mick Foley, and Triple H are in the audience, and they they show back up for another skit. And Rock really crushed it. Like that whole episode, I think holds up really well. If you haven't watched it in a while, I'll track it down. It's I, I think he does well. It's got the one of my favorite sketches ever. Nick Cottrell was getting the guy to cre- uh, quit cigarettes or whatever, and he's really funny in that. <laughs> uh, so it's a real breakout, and it's also a huge breakout for Big Show. We're not continuing on 2000 right now, but when we eventually get there, we'll see. Like he he kind of bumped off of that and changed his whole character from this heel menace turn that he had after the Rumble. All of a sudden, we see that he's got like this funny personality on Saturday Live, and they adapt that into his persona uh, on TV as well. So that was part of it. Did you watch the Saturday Night Live? Live? Um, no, not at the time. I was, was 2000, so I'm maybe I'm 10. So I haven't quite tapped into SNL yet. Right around 2002, I really like start getting into SNL. Mm-hmm. But I did think it was cool, like. Hey, The Rock's gonna be on on SNL, um, or like if there was any wrestlers on like Conan O'Brien or Jay Leno, like those were like my two late night shows I'd watch. Um, I was much more into Mad TV, which like of course had Bret Hart. Will Sasson. Will yeah. So um, if they're on Mad TV, I definitely would have saw it. But um, yeah, the, it, big no doubt. I remember hearing that like the Big Show kind of like had this breakout performance, mm-hmm. and he was really funny. I was like, oh okay, like I guess. You know, like I remember him smoking cigarettes in WCW and I thought that was kind of funny. So that didn't take me took me by surprise too much. 
The best but bad TV it, skit is the hot in here with the priests of the camp. It's like the greatest <laughs> sketch of all time. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good turn on SNL. My, my favorite line is when Rock, uh, Triple H, Foley and Big Show interrupt his monologue. And he goes, oh, Triple H, I thought I smelled dandruff shampoo and monkey turd. And it's such a stupid line, but the dandruff shampoo part always breaks me. Um, it's such a diss. <laughs> Triple H sitting up there. But it's like a microcosm of their relationship, too. You know, the whole, like, Triple H always thinks he's the same, on the same level as The Rock and tries to be presented as The Rock. And then even here, it's like, here's Rock hosting and Triple H is just in the crowd with the other guys, right? Like, it's it's such a perfect synopsis of their entire careers. But um, So that was big. And then, uh, so I did watch that live. I was in college, and I remember we stayed up and watched – stayed up, of course, we were up. It was only 11.30 on Saturday college. <laughs> we were up. We, we made a point to watch it. And I recorded it, so I had it on VHS as well afterward because it was uh, worth rewatching for sure. And then the next day is WrestleMania. This was actually a rare one. I didn't watch live during this time period. I just didn't have an easy way to get back and forth, and we didn't have the capability on campus. So WrestleMania 15 and 16 were two during the two the hottest period. I did not see live, um, but they also did the all day long uh, gimmick on this one, which is the only time they ever did that. So on the on the pay per view channel. I think it started at noon, yeah, I, think I believe, so. and they went eight hours or whatever, and they went through, um, or maybe it was 11 a.m. to 7. It was, it was like eight hours, I know that. It was hosted by Michael Cole and Ivory, and they went through the history of WrestleMania, which was pretty unique at this time. They uh, did video packages on every Mania chronologically, talked about it, then they had guests typing this one. Uh, it was live from Access, and it was a really cool idea. It was a cool gimmick. So I actually have that on tape, too, because my buddy Jim recorded the whole thing. Uh, but I also have the DVD. So when they did the DVD release, which is a very rare one, WrestleMania 2000 to find, uh, they actually included it all day long on DVD with it. And I remember I found it used in a like blockbuster or something in Stanford. I just happened to like poke in and go through the used DVDs. And there it was. And I, I remember it was like super hard to find. Like if you look for it now, I, I don't know if it still is, but for a long time, it was very expensive to purchase for whatever reason, because DVD started in 99. You think it would be like a popular one, but for whatever reason, it was it was hard to track down. Yeah, I know 2000 and uh, 2001 WrestleManias were pretty rare to find. Yeah, so I was glad I found it eventually, like years later. So I have that that DVD with the all day long. But anyway, all that said, why don't we go ahead and dive into the show? Uh, a very unique WrestleMania. We open, we got Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler on commentary. And our opening match is the Godfather and D'Lo Brown. And actually, was there a, no, dark, no dark matches? So no dark Godfather matches, no. and D'Lo Brown taking on Big Boss Man and Bull Buchanan. And uh, this had a, a pretty great uh, entrance here. <laughs> it did. Uh, if you have the uh, not-so-award-winning Peacock Network uh, and you click on the WWE tab to watch WrestleMania 2000, you will not see this entrance, unfortunately. Uh, but go ahead and YouTube it. Um, I guess viewer discretion advised. Um, probably some, some language and cultural reasons that that song has been, um, been wad from the history of, uh, WrestleMania 2000. But, um, I absolutely like love the entrance. I think it's like such a grand way mm. to kind of like cap off this theme that we've seen from the year of Godfather opening pay-per-views. Yeah. And I'm curious to see like come 2000, 2001, like how many more does Godfather open? Cause then. No, he's got the character shift coming up uh, with Right to Censor later in 2000, but 
this feels like the grand send off for like Godfather as an opening act. I don't think he does anymore because the card fills so much from here. Like, I don't think there's even a chance for him to really end up opening stuff. Like, you know, by next month we're opening with like Edge and Christian tag stuff and all, you know, and then we're off from there. So, uh, now, you know, I think maybe he opens with RTC, but as far as like the Godfather act that we've kind of enjoyed in the opener role all through 99, now I think that's done. So I think it's a good point. It's like one last go around. <laughs> and this was off the Aggression album, which also came out right before the show. Yeah. This is a very busy time. <laughs> so that'd be that. We didn't even mention too. I think we we have it later, but they had also announced the XFL right before this show um, that would come the next year. So that was out there. And I believe it was around here that they were talking about going public, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because I they think go they go. Um, I believe Angle is champion, so I want to say it's like fall 2000. Uh, October 19, 1999, actually. So we're past it. Oh, okay, we're past it then. All right. Yeah. So all right. So they're so anyway, like definitely lots going on. Um, but. The XFL was the other big announcement around this time period. So, and Aggression was the album with all the rap versions of the music. And that's the one here. The Pimpin' Ain't Easy. Now, did you have a, uh, a favorite track off Aggression? Uh, it's the DX, Kings of Rock. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the Big Show one, too. But Yeah, that's a great one. I yeah. still think that should have been his theme, like, till whenever he wrapped up. Like, that's a great yeah. song. No, it's a really good one. Um, he's had a few good ones, because I like the... The one he has later, too, the pool bar one, <laughs> the, the harmonicus, <laughs> Roseanne, the Roseanne entrance. Uh, uh, but no, this one's really good, too. It's got that ding, 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 ding. But the, uh, I, I, the DX one's like one you could throw on today and get into it and get still hits pretty well. Yeah. But it's a great album. I actually added it on Spotify after watching this because I was like, all right, I'm going to add it. It's on there in full if it was a Spotify uh, the match itself sucks. The uh, boss man in Buchanan got kind of thrown together like shortly before this. I don't I don't think there was much going on. Buchanan, of course, was the former recon uh, or sniper. I think it was recon, right? From Truth Commission. Recon sounds right. Yeah. Uh, so they try here. They put him with boss man, but it just it doesn't really click. Boss man had Albert before this, obviously, and then switches to Bull. So it, the heat's gone for boss man, pretty much like. All the stuff with Big Show feels so far ago now. Yeah. Uh, but in the match stinks. Like you have the classic, you know, JR starting to work in already, the bullying shoe ugly kind of stuff. You know, it's it's kind of long too for them. It's almost ten minutes. And yeah. Godfather and D lose. So I get maybe you're trying to get Buchanan over since he's just like he's pretty new. Um and he's trying to get Bull uh, or Boss Man maybe reestablished, but this felt like a good chance to get just get the crowd hyped and like let Ice T perform again to close out, let D'Lo hit the the lowdown or whatever and just end the match that way. Let him pin Boss Man who gives a shit because Bull even fucks up the finish too when it comes off the top. So um, I think there could have been better ways to go about this as an opener if you're gonna have it, this be the the choice. Absolutely, nine minutes. They should have shaved off like five minutes of this. There is mm-hmm. no reason this match needed to go that long. And like they overexposed Bull Buchanan, which I understand. Like they're really excited about him. I mean, take a look at him. He's a legit like what six six, six seven, and probably pushing two seventy. Like he's jacked. He he looks great. He's athletic. He can jump to the top rope from you know like standing vertical. But like 
that's his one cool thing that like he does and he does well and like let him do a power move and like have them do a double team and that's mm-hmm. it like you don't need to overexpose him yeah. um and so this match did nobody any favors and sad to see godfather uh sent off from the opening acquisition with an l yep yep so he's done all right our second match is the hardcore battle royal and this is basically just uh, a chunk of guys just beat the shit out of each other with weapons um, around ringside the entire time. I'm trying to get the uh, full list here. Do we, do we not run down? Do we on here? Um, oh, hang on one sec. I, I have the list right here. All right. Read it off. Oh, I thought I had the full list. Oh, I got it. Um, So we got Bradshaw, Farouk, Funaki, Joey Abs, Mosh, Pete Gas, Rodney, Takamichinoku, Taz, Thrasher, Viscera, uh, Hardcore Holly, Crash Holly, excuse me if I repeat myself at all, uh, Pete Gas, Joey Abs, uh, Thrasher, did I say Thrasher? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um, and Big Vis, did I say Big Vis? No. Yeah, I did I say Big Vis. Yeah. yeah, that's everybody. Yeah, so this is kind of the take everyone that's got nothing going on and throw them in here. We had started the 24-7 rule crash. And they said, basically, okay, we're just going to wrestle for 15 minutes. They could be all the kinds of pins you want. And at the end of that 15 minutes, whoever's the champion is a champion. And that's it. So they took all these guys that have been undercard players hanging around that could fit into like this scenario and just threw them out there, which I appreciate. Right. It's like the old WrestleMania four battle Royal or WrestleMania mm-hmm. 14 battle Royal. Just kind of get everyone on the card in there. Um, I thought it was a fine use. And the matches. Oh, by the way, I should go back. We, we both gave two stars for the opener. Mm-hmm. Um, this I went I went two and three quarters. Like I, I thought it was fine. The finish is really convoluted. They fuck it up um, with the count. So crash Taz has a Taz mission to a big pop on crash. Hardcore hits him with the jar of candy, covers <laughs> crash and only gets a two. But Fink announces hardcore as a champion, and everyone's confused. So they had to pretend that crash kicked out. Uh, even though he didn't, but for some reason, Tim White still counted. Like the whole thing right. was very confusing. There's so the next that. night they just like say, I think they just had crash beat hardcore on raw, I believe to get it back to fix it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And there's like a giddy up, there's a hitch in the count. And then like the timing is off with the count and the, and the clock, like anything that could have went wrong with that finish mm-hmm. did go wrong. Um, but this match is an illogical guilty pleasure of mine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's just fun chaos. Uh, so I went three and a quarter on it. That is, uh, quite the chaos, but it was fun. Such a gusher that, uh, (laughs) Pete gaskets. Oh God. I'm shocked. He didn't bleed out. Yeah. He has like a (laughs) massive crimson mask. Uh, it was a fun way to get one of the card. I'm, and I like the hardcore title a lot during this period. Um, I have like a comp tape from 2000 uh, in school. We would just like record the best of each show pretty much. And the 24 seven segments are all over it. Like all the crash fighting everywhere kind of thing. So it was fun. I just hate the finish. It's so, and, and this was another chance to fix Taz. Like we talked about it. No way out. Mm-hmm. He could have easily just won this. The crowd was like the most into him and just have him destroy everyone. And just get like his mojo back. This was another chance. And they kind of fucked that up. Yeah, I was surprised with, like, how invested the crowd was in Taz. And, like, mm-hmm. one thing about California being, like, I don't know, the deepest, like, ECW 
lore state, but like they're really into Taz, and um, he definitely had some kind of connection with the crowd. And yeah, like you said, this was an easy chance to kind of retcon and go back and fix Taz and give him some kind of moment um, and give him a little something. Um, it would have been like a good end to uh, all the like skits and stuff because mm-hmm. all those skits are in the actual build up to this. So like that would have been a good like hard stop. Like hey, we had fun with all these like skits going on in like the amusement park and the laundromat and everything like that like no one's going to be trying to jump taz um right the red book section of brooklyn new york right all right up next we have what's oft overlooked when you talk about the worst matches of wrestlemania history <laughs> uh but it is certainly up there and that is head cheese taking on tna and one of the interesting things about the way we do this with the seasons and i think we noticed this at wrestlemania 28 as well it feels like a lot of the stuff we have going on for the bulk of the season suddenly reverses course right before Mania. Like, Head Cheese and TNA are two teams we have not talked at all about because they didn't exist nope. until this build to Mania, at least on a pay-per-view level. TNA had just debuted, like, weeks before, and that's Test teaming with Albert with uh, brand-new manager Trish Stratus, who debuted in early March on Heat and united the two of them. So Albert's no longer with Boss Man. Test is back being a heel and just kind of, like, forgotten all the shit that he went through in the fall with stephanie and <laughs> trish was a fitness model that they brought in to be a manager who's you know very awkward early on uh incredibly hot but very, very awkward and then head cheese is you know their attempt to rebuild al snow again after the failed heel turn and he ends up working with steve blackman who was also kind of going nowhere and it's him trying to you know give blackman like a personality so it was kind of like a forced team. They did a bunch of skits where they would go out to dinner and all this other stuff and sing personality. And um, the, one of the final weeks before Mania, uh, Snow said, how about we be like, whatever, I'm head. And I don't even know how they got to head cheese, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then before the match, they bring in, Al Snow brings in his mascot, Chester McCheeserton, which is just a, a little person with a big cheese head on. And um, it's, it's, it's something that was really, again, I talked about that comp tape. We had a lot of these guys on there. I thought this was actually really funny until they got to head cheese. Like, yeah. I like Snow trying to get black with a personality, going on a double date, doing funny stuff. Like, I think that was funny because Blackman actually had pretty good straight guy timing in his comedy. But the head cheese thing was stupid. And it was like a weak blow off to what was a pretty fun angle. Yeah, they abandoned ship too early by like, stopping at head cheese. Um, Got to like power through that and get to better blow off. Um, yeah, I feel like Trish Stratus going back to her. Uh, I feel like Jim Ross or somebody um, turned on WCW wrestling and saw Kim Page, Stacey Keebler, mm-hmm. Tori Wilson. <laughs> I could go on and uh, kind of looked at uh, their roster and was like, all right. <laughs> we we got to do something about this uh, because Trish Stratus is um, she's like quite the reversal from anything that we've seen. And right. um, I know last a couple episodes ago, we kind of talked about um, like 90s hot and how mm-hmm. WCW was very futuristic uh, with their presentation and just going, I guess, younger uh, with the females going towards the male demographic and um, a more modern look, I guess you could say. Um and yeah, Trish Stratus um, checks all those boxes and some. Um, but I love Test. I I couldn't go the full dud on this. I went with a point five. But yeah, this was this was trying. This was trying me. 
Yeah, I went point five two, so that does make it an all time bad for us. It, it's it's real bad. Like I mentioned, Jr. Given the blunt commentary earlier, he goes all in here. He's like, he basically at the end of the match, like fucking apologizes for like how bad this was. <laughs> he's, he's like, you know, he's just burying it all through it, giving the bowling shoe ugly, and this is like a running theme on this show that we'll talk about. And it's kind of the second mania. This has happened for us is 11 was similar to this too. There's just a lot of issues. I don't know if everyone was feeling the pressure because they were so hot right now. And it felt like this had to deliver as a, as a big time mania with the loaded card, loaded roster, all eyes on the product, Saturday night live. Like, you know, it's, it feels like everyone's a little bit off. Everyone seems mm-hmm. nervous in the ring. JR and King is like, they're like littered with, with flubs and they don't, we've talked about them. They've added a ton to these scores, you know, more JR than King, but they don't usually flub like this. Like they're all over the place on this show and we have some production stuff going on. It just felt like they almost psyched themselves out with this mania. Yeah. And I've always like thought about this too. And, and, you know, wrestling, we have this mindset that like wrestlers, bodies are conditioned to perform at like a certain time so like right. i wonder if this like being a west coast mania like if even if something as small as that had something to do with like, like it's just way earlier than like what guys are used to performing at especially for such a big show and just how many like young people are on the roster like how many mm-hmm. people are going through their first or second mania um how many people are like getting a more featured spot than what they usually have um but yeah there's just so many issues and um it's very uncharacteristic uh, for Vince's TV wrestling to to have that kind of stuff going on, especially for WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but it's a great point that this is. I'm curious, like I know that I've seen the stats somewhere, but how is this the Mania with the most debuts? It's gonna be up there. Like, I mean, obviously WrestleMania one discount, but like, like once you get cooking, I, I can't imagine this. Like, there's a lot of debuts on this Mania. Yeah, like, just looking at it, even so far, like. It's Buchanan's yeah. first mania. It's, I mean, a bunch of people in the Battle Royal for sure. Definitely. It's definitely. Bl- is it Blackman's? Black- I don't yeah, it's Blackman's first. It's Albert's first. Yeah. T- like, I don't think Test. He was in that. He might have been in that Battle Royal. At yeah, he was in the, the Heat Battle Royal and then the tag team match at 15. But, no, I mean, he's not in the match, all. though, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah, Tim Adilo. Right, all right. So it's not his first. Um, it's Snow. Yeah, I guess he was in the hardcore. Yeah. But even later, like Edge and Christian, they don't wrestle at 15. Right. The Hardys, the Dudleys, Angle, right. Jericho, Benoit, you know, Guerrero, Saturn, Malenko. <laughs> like, there's a lot of bit first-timers up and yeah. down this car. Um, yeah, I never really right. thought about that. But, yeah, that's a ton. It's, it's, it's a lot. All right, I'm also curious in WrestleMania history, have we ever gone from a match so bad to a match so good <laughs> back-to-back? <laughs> so we go from an all-time bad to an all-time classic in our F tag team ladder match for the tag team titles, the Dudleys versus Edge and Christian versus the Hardys. Completely fresh. Uh, we have never seen anything like this. We we gushed over the, the tables match at No Mercy between the Hardys and Edge and Christian, and now we have the Dudleys into the mix. We've talked up a lot about the tag division and all the changes that they've undergone. And now this really feels like the official kickoff to this. Like, I feel like for No Mercy to hear had been like we're seeing blips and pieces and it's getting hotter and hotter. 
from here on out over the next like however you know two years this is like the next era golden era of tag team wrestling in the company and uh edge and christian get the win which i think would be considered a bit of an upset coming in i think Mm -hmm. they were kind of lagging of the three teams and within the next month they kick off the heel stuff that makes them probably the top team of all of it uh so they're not quite there yet they're just kind of still like faces in this match i the dudley's are the champs coming in i would have guessed coming in that the hardys were going to win so i remember being pretty surprised that Edge and christian won but this thing is just loaded with huge spots um it's you know the first time we've ever seen it they do an awesome job um setting the template for what's to come it was just so fresh at the time these six guys just destroying themselves it has stood out on like anything else in WrestleMania history. So I think it's an interesting one from a grade point of view. Um, because it's, it almost reminds me a lot of like Sean and razor or something 10, right? Like, yep. did they ever have, you know, did they have the best singles ladder match of all time? I don't know, but it was like the first one, right? The first big one. And it was awesome. And we, I, I'd go five stars on that. So I went five stars on this. I know it gets topped. I think, SummerSlam is probably better. I really like WrestleMania 17 better. But watching it again, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they they did a great job setting the table, and and no pun intended, you know, as to what this gimmick could be and what the division could be. And 22 minutes of, like, nonstop action. I, I don't know what more they could have really done. Yeah, to me, this match is uh, is Welcome to the Jungle. Like, it is obviously a great hit. Um, you know, is it? Their best? I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, the next year, I think they outdo themselves. Uh, I think TLC2 um, is their best match. But, like, that being said, this is still a five-star match. And I think that you can have a five-star match, but also have a rematch or another match between the same people. Be better, but also be five stars. Um, But, like, this has reached, you know, this has reached Hall of Fame level. You know, like... um, you know, take any two quarterbacks, you know, like they're both Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but, you know, obviously Joe Montana is better than insert other Hall of Fame quarterback there. So um, this has reached that level for me, though. Um, and I think looking at how wrestling has evolved and how the ladder match and car crash style matches evolved since this point, um, the one thing we hear now is like, oh, no one's even going for the belts or, you know, spots are just happening. So spots happen because it's a ladder match. And I remember this kind of being like that match then. Like this was a that was those were criticisms then of this match is like, oh, it's just spot. It's just car crashes. But looking back on it, like they actually do a fair amount of like building up to their spots and things are happening for a reason. And that can be really hard to do with six guys and all those ladders out there. Um. So, yeah, there's a fair amount of psychology to this match. Um, things are happening for a reason. It's five for me. Um, it's a match that I wasn't totally sure if it was five. Like you said, like Razor Sean, I think, is a great comparison. Um, you know, Razor Sean for me, be curious when we go back and do that. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's five for me, but like, you know, I think this is this is five. Um yeah, my just, only issue is that they set up that friggin' bridge and never do anything with it. Yeah, yeah, that somebody's got to go through that. <laughs> Those are the rules, because uh, that was cool looking. That was like an action figure spot. Now I mentioned Marcus. Was there ever WrestleMania that had a match that bad <laughs> followed by a match that good? 
I'm going to add to that. Followed by a match so bad, because next is our only singles match. And that is the cat taking on Terry. And uh, it's a fiasco. So we're still hanging on to May and Mula. We get one of them in you know, each corner. Cat's with May. Terry's with Mula. And I guess this felt kind of like the end of this dog shit women's division run of the season we've been dealing with. I know you've been a little hotter on it. Hot than me. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like the, the nader of the division really started at no mercy where Mula beat Ivory for the title. I think before that we were like, okay, since then it, it's, it's been bad. Like we had that, we had the awful match at survivor series. We had the, the gimmick in the pool at Armageddon. We had Mae Young's tits at the rumble. Like it would just, you know, it just has not been, not been good. We are in a bad spot right now with this division and it continues here. Uh, during all this though, like that we don't really see much of here is that we've had the Dudley's murder Mae Young put her through a table and her give birth to a hand that was implanted inside her by Mark Henry, apparently uh, glove. Um, so that's all happened in between this. The best part of this is the Austin Powers tribute segment backstage where Kat is naked and May is like holding up different things in front of her. Yeah, right that was good. The t-shirt in front of her vagina with a cat on it. Um, <laughs> so that was funny, but this is a disaster. Val Venus is a special ref. That's... He's wearing his cocked, locked, and <laughs> ready to unload shirt. And the referee towel, which was, I guess, the highlight. Um <laughs> It only goes 225. We get this thing face. I, I mean, she falls out of the ring. So it wasn't it supposed to be like a sumo match or whatever. I don't even fucking know. Yeah. It's stupid. JR even says, don't even use the rating system for this. Just <laughs> uh, fine. But I did go the full dot on this. I mean, it's it's a train wreck. It, it just like it just encompasses what we've been dealing with for the women's division during this whole season. It's been we've both enjoyed the season, but to me that's been like a real disappointing part of the season is that stuff. Hopefully, and all pun intended, this is a true bottoming out for mm-hmm. the women's division. I also went dud on it, giving it the dubious double dud <laughs> honors. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing more I could I can say. Like I felt like Unforgiven. There's like the hardcore match. Uh, was that Ivory and Tori or Luna? Yeah, I think it was Luna. That was like, okay, cool, we're we're getting somewhere. And then as Russo leaves, they like somehow lean more into the Howard Stern um, territory with the booking of the women. Um, yeah, it, this is, it's 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 bad. It it's bad, and you know, two women who shouldn't have been put in that spot. And you know, Val Venus, I wonder what he's thinking. Um, just you know, a year ago, he's. Intercontinental champion are in that territory, and now he's getting a two-minute spot at WrestleMania. So, yeah, dud for me. I don't know what else I could have done. Um, I don't want to advocate taking the women off the card, but given what they had, they probably could have just done, like, a segment similar to the Rumble and maybe just gotten by with that. Or have Cat finally lose and just have, like, Ivory or whoever just, like, destroy her. And just like yeah. reset the division. Um, I'm trying to think of where I think it's actually is Kat. Is she already? She's not even champion anymore, right? No, Stephanie is. Right. Okay. So 
Cat lost it to who? Because Stephanie beat Jackie. Cat, Jackie, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the title's already kind of out. Like the division's what? already gonna be flailing a bit. And Stephanie did the Harvina stuff like, happen? Yeah. Did Harvey Whippleman win the title? I think that's been done. Because from here, Stephanie holds it, and then Lita eventually wins it, and then I think we're off and running. Okay. Because Lita beat Stephanie. I know that. Yes. Because um, that's like a really cool moment. I'm trying to look up Harvey when he won it. Um, yeah, Hervina wins it uh, January, January 31st, 2000 on Raw. And then, okay, and then Jackie beat him. Yeah. Wow. He lost the title the following day in a match that lasted under a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so she holds it until Steph beats her, which is like, I think like right before the show, right? It might have been the Raw yes. before. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually a really fun moment too. They do a great celebration when she wins, and then Kane comes out, and like they all get freaked out. It's the epitome of like being born on third, thinking you hit a triple. Like it is such a good celebration. So that yeah, so Stephanie, so and then once Lita wins it, then I think it's kind of on from there, right into 2000, because then like China gets in the mix. Mm Trish eventually jazz comes in like all that starts happening right over the next year. So I think we're through the worst. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah, it, it, it's getting better from here. Yeah. Sadly, it'll be a while before we see it, but for now it's uh, <laughs> <clears throat> the end of an era. So, okay. We've definitely waxed too much poetic on that. All right. So our next match is D Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn taking on China into cool. Um, I went three and a half on this Marcus. I think it's a pretty good six person tag. I liked seeing China get her mania match after she's really been great the whole season. So that was cool. But I would say it's also disappointing. Like he goes under 10 minutes. Um, You know, Eddie at least gets to wrestle because of course he had been hurt for no way out because he got hurt right after the debut. He's, he's kind of okay here, but you can tell he's still not fully like he's still protecting it a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a fan of the finish though. Like we already saw the radicals lose and no way out. And I know they don't have Benoit, who's the ace, but they lose again here. Like, too cool is eminently beatable. And I get wanted to give China the win, but you don't have to pin her. Like, Eddie pinning Scotty with the frog splash is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. So I think that was a miss here. And I think this had potential to be more of a really fun sprint. But, again, like, everything just feels a step off. And that's that. But I'm I'm glad for like China to get the Mania match because I think she earned it after that season. Yeah, this goes to what I said earlier about like all the acts getting on the card and kind of finding a spot for everybody. So like this match definitely serviced like all the masters. You got two cool. They've been hot coming off that big Dallas uh, Raw, the big ten man tag. It's like probably yes. the best Raw segment match of all time. Maybe uh, you got China who's been cooking all season. Um, so it's nice to see her featured. And we get the Radicals who, uh, you know, were introduced uh, later in January and they're still heating up and they're kind of like testing what do they have with Eddie? What do they have with Malenko? And, you know, what do they have with Saturn? And I think Saturn's the guy who like they kind of have pegged to be like the breakout star of the group. Mm -hmm. But I think once you get like Benoit in house, they're like, okay, like maybe Benoit is the most like ready to be moved up the card immediately. Um, And like if you just look at Saturn here, like. I have a hard time 
with the the old eyeball tests, like just looking at Saturn and not believing that like he could be <laughs> any of the other three people across from him, and like it not being believable. Like there is no shame in losing to a man of of Perry Saturn's uh, build and stature. Oh in yeah, like he he looks like a world beater here. Um, that being said, um, I. I liked what China and Eddie did, like going into the finish, like, mm-hmm. and it just speaks to, like how good Eddie Guerrero is, right? Like, right. of course, we kind of get that drummed over our head now with Saucer Banks reminding us that Eddie Guerrero is her her dad and favorite wrestler, mm-hmm. but like Eddie is so good, and with what's coming up the next night, um, it's a nice way to kind of put a ribbon on what they've got um, storyline wise with you know Eddie loving China and trying to get China and stuff like that. Um, I went three and a half on as well. Like it does only get nine minutes, but compare this to like that that tag match right. that opened the show. Like this is how you maximize your minutes. Like no dead time at all, and everybody makes the most of it. All right. Up next, we have our Eurocontinental Triple Threat match with the IC and European titles on the line as Kurt Angle <clears throat> takes on Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho. I think it's uh, like a good use of these three guys. Like it almost felt like an instant rematch, putting Benoit into a big spot. Angle and Jericho been feuding. We had the weird little few weeks where Bob Backlund was managing Kurt Angle, <laughs> um, and then set him up for this match. And it's like two separate matches. So they fight for the inter- Intercontinental first, and then they have another match right after where the European is on the line. So Angle ends up losing both. He learns the uh, loses the IC to Benoit. Loses the European to Jericho, so he kind of gets hosed, but he doesn't get pinned for either title. Benoit and Jericho pin each other, uh, I believe, right? I don't think Angle ends up taking yeah. the loss. Yep. Right? So he um, has a, a clear bitch. Again, though, this only goes 13 minutes. Um, it feels a little ahead of its time based on what it was. Like I don't think the crowd was quite ready for it. And um, it feels like a match a year later that could have flirted with over four stars when he, all three guys were in a better position. Like all three are still kind of learning this style and fitting in. Uh, but as is, I, I enjoyed it a decent amount, but again, they just don't get a lot of time given the setup. Like this is where you could say, dump the friggin' dong match, you know, dump bull or shave time off of that. And like, give this like 20, you know, with these guys, let it breathe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this match felt rushed. Um, it felt like they were just trying to like cram everything in. And also, like you said, like this match would have played a lot better than next year. Um, especially like you get an extra year of experience on an angle. Like he's only been around for a couple months. Benoit, right. like this is his second, you know, beginning of his third month of the promotion. Jericho, still super new as well, like just debuting in the summertime. So uh for what like they had to work with. I went two and a half. Like I just mm-hmm. kind of kept waiting for the match to like get out of whatever gear they were in. Like, you know, just felt stuck and maybe it's a better match concept in theory than like the actual execution. But that being said, you've got Jericho, you got angle, you got Benoit. Like this is not bad by any stretch in my opinion. Yep. Yep. This is disappointing again, just like this whole show. It's been the theme. All right, very random tag matchup next before our main event, and that is Road Dog and X-Pac taking on Kane and Rikishi. And this always felt to me like a weird way to blow off the Kane and X-Pac feud by inserting Rikishi. And I guess like part of the feud has been, you know, having Kane against the numbers, right, of DX, so him finding help makes sense. But 
it just felt to me like more of a shoehorning of Rikishi. Whereas a Kane versus X-Pac with Road Dog in his corner and Kane destroys them both would have, I think, felt a little bit better. Then you could put Rikishi with too cool and maybe do something else with China. Um, the highlight here to me is Pete Rose <laughs> comes out for the third straight year, gets destroyed <laughs> by Kane, which is fun. So that was cool. But this only goes four minutes. So it's like, again, like, what are we doing? Like, we're, this card is so jam-packed with shit. We have no singles matches to try to get everyone on. And nothing's getting any time that should get time. It's like, this tag gets four. I'm not saying it should get 20, but I don't know. Probably get a little bit more time out of it. Um, given how much time we've invested in Canon Xbox as a story throughout all of this. So, uh, not much to it besides Kane just getting the final pin on his rival. Um, but I went two and a half. Like, it was good enough before the main event. It just felt like a weird use of resources. Yeah, like you said, it, it is a, a weird use of resources. Um, like, top acts, you know? Like, these are definitely, like, upper mid-card acts. But uh, we've seen Kane and X-Pac going at it. Um, I'm really like as a tag team too, like all season, like this has been a really solid through line that we've seen. Um, so like a tag match, just, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like this is actually like being blown off. Mm -hmm. Um, these guys, I think in the story were deserving of a singles match. And even if you aren't going to have like any other singles matches on the show, this one would have like really felt big. I think if this is the only singles match and, yeah, I I went two and three quarters on it. Um, again, like I liked it. I thought they did well with the time they had to work with, but like everything after like the six person tag has just mm-hmm. felt so rushed. Like they were clearly right. running long. They gave way too much time to you know the first three matches, and um, they're paying the price for it on the back end. All right. Well, that's until our main event anyway, <laughs> because they get all the time. <laughs> <clears throat> Our main event is The Rock, Mick Foley, and Big Show challenging Triple H for the world title. They get 38 minutes for this match. And Mick Foley, of course, had been brought out of retirement uh, to represent Linda McMahon. We had to have McMahon in every corner. We had Vince with The Rock. He had made his return on Raw to a huge pop when um, – was it Stephanie slapped Linda, right? And that brought him out? Or was that the fall? When that? No. I lose track of all this. But I think it's uh. this where Stephanie slaps Linda. And Vince comes out. It was something along those lines. Yeah, um, I think that's right. He, I know he came out to defend her. So he comes back. He's going to be with Rock. Uh, Stephanie's with Triple H, obviously. Linda with Foley and Shane with Big Show. He returned and helped him in No Way Out, if you recall. We've done a lot of gymnastics around, you know, who's going to get this title match, similar to before SummerSlam 99. Big, it was supposed to be Big Show versus Triple H. Then we get some hullabaloo, and with Vince coming back, gives the Rock the shot. So that's what we end up here with all four. Um, you know, Foley in his book talked about, like, not wanting to go back on the step so quick, and Vince talked him into it and basically said, look, everyone loves you. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> the um, interesting thing was they went out of their way to make a point to say if Foley won, there'd be a tournament for the title. Uh, that would be vacated because he still had to be retired. So I thought it was interesting enough in my mind at the time to say, oh, well, they just told us the ending. Like, why would they take the, why right. would they throw all that to lay that out if Foley wasn't going to win? So I thought at the time, like, oh, they're going to get Foley's mania moment and let him retire with a win versus the loss. And then we'll just have a tournament. We avoid Rock Triple H may that ends up being the final of the tournament or something like that. 
Um, looking back, I still say they sh- screwed up and it should have been Triple H Rock, but I get why they did it. They wanted to roll it forward to Backlash to try and buy an extra, you know, big buy there. I think they knew WrestleMania would draw. Plus, they wanted potentially the Austin thing. So we get this. Foley and, and Big Show are out pretty quickish. Big Show's out within five minutes. So, mm-hmm. again, like, what are we doing? And Foley goes out in 20 minutes. So then we get almost another 20 of just Rock and Triple H getting solo. We also have the first time a heel leaves WrestleMania uh, to close the show um, at the main event. Triple H ends up winning when Vince turns heel on the Rock, which is obvious, pretty obviously coming. Uh, so this will be the formation of the McMahon-Helmsley regime with Vince in the mix as well. Um, so I've always thought this is, like, fine. I went three and a half. But again, like, I felt like we could have done so much better. It just felt like, like most of this car, they overthought it. Yeah, I, I went three and a half as well. But, like, I think if you just have Rock and Triple H, which is what, like, the season has been building to, like, mm-hmm. I think you're looking at, like, a, a four and a half star match. Um, Foley's story about not wanting to go back on the retirement stip so soon and being talked out of it by Vince. I mean, we all love Mick Foley. That's a nice mm-hmm. story and all. But I've never seen Mick Foley turn down a paycheck. Mm-hmm. True. True. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how much stock I want to put into that. Um you know, him not wanting to come back so soon because um, Mick Foley going to get paid. That's for uh, that's for sure. Uh, of course, big show. There's always a speculation about like who was supposed to be in the spot. Was it always supposed to be him? Was it supposed to be Jericho uh, as the early poster would insinuate? Uh, you know, he took a long time, I think, really to warm up. But like he had a really good match with Rock last month at No Way Out. And he looks good here. Um, like I thought he looked in pretty good shape. He looks tan. Um, so I'm like, this is what you should have been looking like, you know, back when you were champ a couple months ago. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Did you think the McMahon in every corner aspect was like overbearing a bit? Or do you think like that took away from the match at all? Yeah, it felt forced. Like, and I know that's kind of been the story, but this made it feel unorganic. Like I'm fine with bringing Vince back. I don't know why we had to put Linda in there. Like, who cares about... I guess they feel like Big Show earned the slot, you know, being in the mix. And after the heel turn, really turning it up, we liked the No Way Out match. But, I mean, you're only getting in five minutes. Like, what's the point? Is is it worth it for him to be in there? Mm-hmm. I just would have... I would have put him elsewhere. And I just would have done the straight match. I'm fine with Triple H retaining. So even if you want to do, Vince comes back and he's in the corner of rock and turns on him fine and if you want to hold the title change for backlash like cool i don't have an issue with that i just would have went singles i would have left fully in the sideline yeah i don't think we needed him i think it felt forced it made it like it felt like all about the mcmahons which is only the beginning of that but the mcmahon overload to me like wasn't strong yet like vince was gone for a a chunk of time i thought he was enjoyable as the face in the fall stephanie was still fresh as a heel um, you know, no one ever really turned on Shane yet. Like he was still entertaining. So like, I think the McMahon story was fine without it becoming forced into being like the key point of the match. Um, so I don't know where else big show could have been, but why not do him versus Rikishi? You know, like that could have been cool. Like a big, yeah. man, big man match. Like let's do that instead. If you want to keep China in that six person, then you just do Kane versus X-Pac. 
Foley versus Rikishi. Break that up. I mean, uh, show versus Rikishi. Dump Foley. I, I I think the only match I'm like, yeah, let's keep would be the tag title. And I'm fine with Jericho Angle Benoit. Um, I don't know what else you could do there. I mean, if you want a really fantasy book, I would not have Taz be a fucking joke. And I would have made that a four-way with Taz. Mm. Um, but we're not in that world. I would dump head cheese. I would dump the cuff. Like, there's other ways you can use these guys in a much better manner than what we're seeing. And you could have used that battle royal as a way to do it. The hardcore battle royal, I would change from the 15-minute thing to just literally a battle royal with weapons. Okay. And you can fill the ring. You could add a couple extra guys. You can still do a finish similar, but don't do the 15-minute clock, and that'll save you time on the back end to give to some of these better matches. Yeah, I think even to just cut it to 10. Like, I like them falling all over, but I thought right. 15 was pushing it. Um, but, yeah, I think you knock that down to 10, even if it's a tight in time, 10 minutes. That probably plays a lot better. I would throw in, like, head cheese and TNA into that battle royal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, keep obviously keep the uh, the tag title match, the, the big triangle ladder match, keep that. Like, I think Godfather and Brown, like, Maybe it's boss man and Buchanan you throw in the battle royal and put uh, TNA against right. Godfather and Brown. Like, yeah, yeah boss man a was a stalwart of the hardcore division. Yeah, yeah. So like you throw throw Bull and, and boss man in that I think and head cheese and instead you do uh, TNA versus Godfather and Brown. Like that frees up a match, <laughs> a bad one at that. Um, and Godfather and Brown versus TNA is. I would think at least a better match, at least by... Uh, it probably point. still sucks, but at least instead of two shitty tags, you got one. Yeah, I, I can't see that match being below, like, 2.25. Like, you know, it it does make somewhat of a, a small difference. Um, I would... Man. Um, I think I would put Benoit and just do the Radicals in a eight-person eight tag. Mm-hmm. And move rikishi well we do into rikishi. there as well so you wouldn't do rikishi big show i i like rikishi big show um but i'm thinking if well, you're gonna do something with big show if you're gonna do something gonna of meaning fully back yeah and i hate to like run back fully and big show back-to-back years at wrestlemania but you know we'll see i don't think fully comes back unless it's in the main event yeah, but he's also not going to turn on a paycheck. I don't know. But they don't need him if they're not doing that. Like, what? Right, are, you they know? don't. Um. Then yeah, I would. If Foley's not coming back, like if that's one of the rules, Foley's not coming back unless he's in a title match. Then, hmm. I mean, you could. I mean, I hate to say, just throw Big Show in the Battle Royal, but like for Kishi, Big Show also plays well too, and then you keep Jericho and Angle Benoit. So, yeah, I would probably just do what you said. Have Rikishi Big Show uh, and then have Kane and X-Pac one-on-one. Everything gets a little bit more time. That gets a proper blow-off. And I would add in the moment uh, of, like, too cool dancing with uh, Rikishi because I would do, like, a big schmoz where I would get, like, everybody involved somehow into that match um, and do, like, a big overbooked tying up all loose ends and then you still get two cool dancing you get kane and pete rose uh and rikishi the big stink face moment to pete rose like all that stays the same and then you have rock and triple h 
to close proper. And they still probably get like 25 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's probably a bunch of ways to cut it, right? And break this down that would be better than what we got. I feel like they forced too much in. I'm not saying there's a bunch here I would take out. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like this, it's a lot though. It's a lot forced in. And the no singles matching hurt. So we just came up with a way to get like at least a few of those in there. Right. So that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone has tried hard to make this resonate. So, uh, all right. So the way we do the match grades, if we assume an average match as a two and a half, we take Marcus and I's average. So for the opener, we both went two. So the average is out to a two. And then we just take that average grade of two and a half and either add or subtract to get the war. So that's a negative 0.5 because we're a half a point below an average match. We do that for every match, total it up. That gives us a total war score of match grades as 0.75. So pretty low for mm-hmm. us. You want to be up in that three to four range like is like a good score for us. So it's not negative, which is good, but it's not strong for WrestleMania to, to be you know below a one for match grade. So it tells you already as we're heading into our categories, it's going to be a shaky showing. Uh, so why don't we get into these Marcus? Let's, let's dive in yeah. a little bit more. I know we spent a lot of time on the card. Uh, so build, um, we gave, uh, so we're going to go through, we're going to get the pluses and the minuses for each of these. So for build, we gave a point for the all day long special, which is really cool and unique. We gave a point for the Blackman and snow odd couple bit, gave a point for the aggression CD, which plays a role in this show. With all the, the-, the themes and you get iced tea out there. Give a point for the XFL. Again, it like added to the buzz and vibe coming into this. Um, added a point for the 24-7 rule, which Crash Holly had been running. It leads to the Battle Royal. A point for Eddie and China beginning the relationship. That becomes a, a you know major story of 2000. Uh, a point of Backlund and Angle's partnership that blows up and sets up Angle to be in this match. Uh, a point for the McMahon at every corner. Even though we weren't big fans of it, it was like still... I think well executed as far as them setting it up a uh, point for Stephanie winning the women's title, which was a really cool moment. Like we talked about earlier, uh, we went two points for the Pete Rose chicken swerve. You don't get three year booking like this. Um, and I think the fact that they did it that turn third time <clears throat> really stood out. Like it was, it was super cool that they went back to it a third time um, to deliver on it. I remember wondering at the time, is he going to show up? It was like a talking point. So I wish they kept it going year after year, but it was it was a worthy two points, I think, because it's such a funny moment. And then we give a bill to the Saturday Night Live a point. So I think, you know, that was a big deal the night before. They hyped the main event on SNL, had the four guys on there. So I think that was worthy of a point for the build up to the show. Yeah, and I'll stand by that Kane and um, Pete Rose build because, I mean, that's <laughs> some all-time stuff. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. But let's take a look at the minuses. We've got the random pairing and the shakeups. So we got like full beginning, the big boss man, TNA, Blackman and Snow. Uh, so that's minus point there. The McMahon family takeover taking away from the main event. It really feels forced uh, and takes away from the main event itself, which again, all I should have been on Rock and Triple H. Um, Snow uh, goes from top heel to goober, which. Mm-hmm. It's it's a clear step down, but it's also it's like maybe a return to where he should have been all along. Right, uh, it's, it's probably a better fit for him, but it is it looks glaringly like they had to just completely throw the towel in on the heel, him being a top heel that they right. spent him in and uh, effort in, and it's like it bombed so bad, 
he's now got Chester McCheeserton as Steve Blackman. <laughs> yeah. Um, Al Snow's uh, buddy, Mick Foley, comes back, and it's a real waste of him breaking the retirement mm-hmm. stip. Um, you know, depending on how that No Way Out match played for you, I know you were higher up on it than I was, but, um, you know, for a retirement stipulation to happen and for them to make a, such a big deal about Mick Foley being so young, uh, for him to come back and, you know, have this performance and to have, I don't know, just have it broken so soon. Like, it's just too soon. Um, it, it made it made it lesser. Like, it lost its importance and made that match less important as well. And I would have been fine just with the three-way. Like, we didn't talk about that. They could have just done that, too. Like, yeah, you didn't really need Foley. The only reason to have Foley is to do the stupid man at every corner thing, right? So, yeah. like, you could have just done Big Show, Triple H, Rock. And that fits because that was the match of Survivor Series. So you're calling back to that anyway, you know? Yeah, and you hardly need Linda because Linda has barely been on television. If right. you don't, you, you know. still do a McMahon every corner. It's just three of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not every McMahon in every corner. Right. <laughs> so, and then the card not being uh, finalized until the week, bef- like the last week of TV, like going right into the events, the go-home shows. This card was all over the place. The main event definitely wasn't set up. Um, and I think it made for, you know that chaotic structure that we feel throughout the show, like things not being settled. Um, you know, it's hard, I think, to plan out what you want to do in Mania if you don't even know what you're going to be doing uh, the, the week beforehand. So uh, those are all the minuses for the show. There's a really weird promo, too. I think it's on SmackDown right after Vince comes back. And he makes a match. I think it's Triple H has to fight Godfather. But, like, Vince sets it up and is awkward. You know, like, Vince yes. explains things awkwardly. And he's like... You know, he's like goes in these weird circles to just try and get his point across. But it's like a super weird sexualized Stephanie moment. He's like, maybe you'll want to take a ride on the hoe train. Like, it's like really weird. <laughs> I, know, that, I always reminded me of that one, too. Like, but he says something else that's awkward, too. Like, he sets it up and like the crowd actually kind of ooze because it sounds weird. Like, he's talking about his daughter. I forget the exact words he uses, but it's odd. All right, so uh, that nets out to a total of seven, so pretty good score for build. So it looks like that may potentially carry this one. Uh, commentary, um, you know, I, I think they did a good job, Jaron King, keeping up with the Battle Royal, so we gave them a point for that. The honesty of them going, you know, calling out that Head Shoes and TNA sucked, I think was worth the point versus trying to cover for it in any way. It was trash. Um, mm-hmm. Them roasting Mayo Mula always gets a point. It's been consistent through the whole season for us. Um, a point for the triangle ladder match. They did a really good job. It's not an easy match to call. And uh, them getting over the Latino heat and Eddie and how that plays into China, they did a good job there too. Yeah. Um, but with the given, let's do some taking as well. We've got Horny King uh, yeah. in all his <laughs> his form. Uh, JR and King are a step off all night. Mm-hmm. Possibly feeling some pressure. There's the tech issues with JR's headset. Kind of reminded me of uh, Cranky 96 JR. Yes, yeah. <laughs> During that heel turn. Um, it feels like everybody's crumbling on the big day, including commentary. King <laughs> King says, Chester the molester. And <laughs> King also says, moist during the China match. Uh, King calls Kane the big red R word, as we've mm-hmm. unfortunately heard many times this season. And JR keeps calling wrestlers the wrong names and messing up the rules as he goes along. King says Terry Holt is here three separate times. Right, which is wrong. <laughs> Tory Holt. Uh, he calls him Terry, and he says it three times. Uh, just a mess. 
Um, JR is way over the top on Rock Triple H, uh, acting like they've survived some kind of super violent war. And, you know, I think JR is going into like that, um, almost like that Mid South mm-hmm. cell. Um, you know, you kind of hear the, the Watts come out of his voice going back to like, you know, mid 85 or whatever. Um, just trying to deliver and do everything he can, you know, knowing this event's been a stinker, but like, Hey, we're down to the, the two big boys that it should have been all along. And, um, it's just a case of like doing too much. Yep. So we went negative four on commentary, uh, which sucks because it, it has been a strong point for a lot of the season for us. Mainly JR. We've definitely ding King quite a bit, but more often than not, we were in the positives on the commentary. So, um, but pretty strong, tough night for them. All right. Atmosphere. We gave a point for the Godfather's entrance with ice tea, a point for the crowd being red hot for the battle Royal, uh, a point for the crowd being really hot for the tag team ladder match, uh, a point for them being into the cat fight, uh, the mega pop for the rock at a point, the pop for Foley got a point, uh, the really cool video wall set, which was pretty neat, um, unique to this mania, got a point, and the crowd being there for Rock and Triple H. So you can see here a common trend. Like we were pretty into this crowd. I think historically it's looked down upon, but I think they came through. Like I think this is much better than 12. And I think they shook the label of the, as Chris Colo would put it, the Anaheim Latte Sippers uh, <laughs> crowd. Well, I didn't get that feel at all in the show. They were they were engaged. Let's check out the minus section. Uh, we've got the crowd being a bit dead for the three-way. Again, that's kind of like the halfway point of the mm. show um, and convoluted rules, so maybe that's a bit understandable. Uh, the crowd being pissed for the Foley elimination uh, takes them out of the match a bit. And uh, the arena feels limiting to the event for where the company is. We talked about the company going public. We talked about the XFL. Uh, things are firing on all cylinders. They've got SNL uh, sending superstars out to that. But, mm-hmm. you know, this event in this building feels small for them. Um, we know the next year they're going to take a major step up with the Houston Astrodome. But this show should have been in a bigger and better venue, in my opinion. Yeah, I think just when they probably booked the, sh- the show in the arena, they weren't that big yet, right? Because they probably booked this at least sometime in mid-99, yeah. I would think. Right, yeah. Um, and they were getting hot, but they probably didn't realize maybe how hot, I guess, when they booked it. But I, I think if they would have known, they would have done it because they do it as soon as they can in <laughs> 2001. So, yeah, but I'm with you. I think it this media probably stands out more if it's in a bigger, better setting. I mean, yeah, you put this in the the Coliseum, like, right. And of the a hundred thousands a stretch, like, I don't think they're going to do that, but, mm. um, you know, I think they can definitely mostly fill that bad boy up. All right. So then that's up to a five for atmosphere. All right. Here is the category that has carried this season moments and importance. And we get a lot on the positives. So we give a point for the Godfather Dilo Brown entrance, kind of a, a very memorable entrance. Uh, a point for the hardcore division going 24-7 and them leveraging that into this show. We gave Pete Gass a point for his insane Crimson Mask blood, uh, blade job. <laughs> uh, we gave a point. Something we didn't talk about was the in- interesting tease during the Access video package where Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Steve Austin were all shown at yeah. Access. So it was interesting to me that they showed them all. And none of them appeared here. I remember thinking, honestly, that at least Austin would show up. Um, but we don't get any on TV, so interesting. Uh, we give a point for the uh, 
Cat and Mae Young Austin Powers spoof. Gave a point for having the first ever tag team triangle ladder match. Uh, we gave a point for Edge and Christian becoming the kings of the tag division. We gave a point uh, to China kind of paying off all of the build and being part of a Mania match. And it's not even being a special note, right? It's just a great match. It's just her. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I, I should say it's her just being a normal part of a normal match. We don't right. hype it. It's not the first time a women's ever team with two men. You know, it's just like she's just part of the team, part of the roster. So that was cool. Um, we give a point to the uh, Backlund and Angle partnership blowing up with Angle losing both of his titles without getting pinned. Uh, we give a point to uh, Angle, awesome, after the match, where he's hustling with a security guard for protection, or I'm sorry, before the match, uh, saying after he wins, a lot of dogs come after me too. We said that <laughs> to one of the security guards. Um, he was really funny backstage talking to security. Uh, we give a point, uh, two points for the big debuts, Radicals, Trish, Angle, Jericho, and Benoit all debuting at one mania. Uh, we gave a point for Chris Benoit winning the IC title, a point for Chris Jericho winning the European title, a uh, point. Um, I guess maybe we should update this. I'm going to take one off here, uh, but we'll balance it. So I'm going to take, we had Angle on there twice winning, but oh, we're going to go to three points now. for all yeah. the debuts. We'll give three points for all the debuts. That's a lot of big debuts. Uh, a point for Pete Rose attacking Kane, which was awesome, getting the stink face. A point for Kane finishing off X-Pac and getting revenge for that story, him and Tori. Um, a point for the first time we ever have a heel closing WrestleMania. And a point for Rock destroying the McMahons at the end of the show. So a ton of positive moments, even though, again, we maligned a lot of the show. A ton of stuff is happening. Yeah, um, a random note about Triple H and a heel closing the show as a victor. I remember like WF Magazine or something like trying to word that without mm. breaking kayfabe and like shattering right. that. Uh, so I think it was like the oh the first time that a non-fan favorite is, is <laughs> one or retained or whatever. So, um, but yeah, let's take a look at the minuses. Uh, we have. Uh, badly botched finish to the hardcore battle royal that we talked about everybody being confused and uh, they even show replay which just makes things worse like it doesn't clear anything up uh, leaves more questions and answers in the wrong sort of way uh, a full minus one for chester mccheeserton's existence we got robot linda um she seems like she's all uh <laughs> all hopped up on pills uh, as she would be at wrestlemania 17 and uh, mick foley they have their awkward promo the Radicals losing another pay-per-view matches uh, has become a theme, unfortunately, this back end of the season. Uh, the aimless Vince turn felt forced and made the finish really clunky. And, like, they're even trying to explain the turn out there. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just bad. Like, they <laughs> like, always say it. It's just not good. Mm-hmm. Um, a waste of fully breaking the retirement stip so early. <laughs> you added this note with his terrible hair looking like an angry Italian grandmother jobbing for Hunter yet again. That hair is brutal. It's like that was another <laughs> thing a memory said in his book. Like he got that haircut not realizing he was gonna be back on TV. Uh and it just looked awful. Like he definitely it looked like a perm. Um and then yes, he did bring him back just to job to friggin' Triple H again. He's got like the Mr. Perfect SummerSlam ninety one special going on. Um fully misses the table by a mile, which holy smokes did Mm -hmm. i not realize that he completely missed it like i thought he always like nicked it um and maybe i've just seen some sort of like re-edited shot where like they make it happen with magic but this was this was the real deal um i didn't know he (laughs) 
<laughs> he missed that Jake completely. Mm-hmm. Um, a it was a big glaring sign that he should have just stayed home. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, man. Um, a week showing for the big show after a pretty strong ramp up in the last, you know, four to six mm-hmm. weeks, I'd say. Um, you know, getting his five minutes in and getting bounced. And then at the Godfather entrance, being cocked blocked. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. All right, so that gives us a 10 for moments, which is, again, a very strong showing. So this has been the theme for the season, moments and uh, atmosphere and and builds, like, really carry these shows. All right, match grades, 0.75, like we noted. Card structure. Uh, we started hot with the Godfather. One final point for that. Uh, everyone that meant something this season all got a slot in the show. So no one's left off or behind. Are they presented as you'd like them, everyone? I don't know, but everyone's there. And uh, they at least built the card up to the main event with the big matches kind of marching toward that, uh, you know, big time main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the minuses, we got no singles matches uh, <laughs> yeah. of note. Uh, the brutal head cheese TNA match absolutely kill, killing the crowd and the vibe of the show. Uh, odd decisions to force matches like not having Rikishi and Too Cool together. Uh, that seems like a, a glaring example of, you know, this card just doing too much and not being finalized until the week of the week of uh, not doing Kane versus Xbox, which again, really deserved to have mm-hmm. a one-on-one blow off um, the post-match dance and waiting on Pete Rose. It took too long like to get to that. Um, it felt cooked. Like you could tell something was coming. Um, didn't feel as organic as the other two years uh, forcing show and Foley in there you know, really had nothing to do in the match. Um, and the whole match was just about like kind of mm-hmm. getting them out so that we could get to Triple H versus Rock. And then Triple H going over Rock and Rock having to get his heat back by giving the Rock bomb to Stephanie and um, you know everything that he does post-match. Um, you know, either if you're going to have Triple H go over, right, put him go over. over. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, so that's a negative four for card structure. So you know, not a surprise there. I think coming in, you would assume like they were going to get dinged for this for Cocta card that we got. All right, rewatchability, we give a point uh, for the Jeff Hardy swanton off the ladder, which was awesome. And we have closing heel turn and the finish. Right, so not something I want to rewatch 100 times, Vince turning nope. again. So those wash out. We had one all-time uh, match in the triangle ladder, two all-time bad with Cat, Terry, and Head Cheese TNA. Not good, so that's a negative one. So that gives us a total score of 13.75. Um which is when you look at those big numbers for build and moments, pretty disappointing overall. Yeah. I mean, carried by build and moments. Um, but like this show is just a complete mess from, you know, the card structure. I don't think any, any show has had, you know, that kind of damage inflicted by the card structure. It seems pretty simple not to mess up, but this show managed to do it. Uh, and of course, you got two all-time bad matches. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we have too many shows with right. one, let alone two. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely brings it down as well. And commentary this season, you know, King's been out of line, and we've dinged him appropriately. But you know, for both King and Jr. to be off their game, um, that's not something that many shows have had to endure either. All right, so that score puts this as the 16th best pay-per-view for us right now, WrestleMania 16, um, out of 32. So pretty much dead right in the middle as of now. Um, what do you think feels about right? I mean, 
I'd have to look at where Aaron and I had it all time. I can check quick as a mania. Like it's definitely a back end one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we had it 30th out of 37. Okay. And it'd probably be whatever 31st now out of 38. So we have it as like a real bottom tier, but that's compared to other manias. I mean, we, we have a bunch of other crappy shows in the, in this. So we're, we're, a little more likely to have this be up a little bit compared to some of these other shows. But um, like, so for comparison, it is right above rebellion 99 by 1.25. And um, actually, you know what? I screwed this up. Hang on a sec. I gotta fix this. Okay. So it's actually a little bit higher too. So I had it below no mercy, which it shouldn't have been. I think we put this above capital punishment. They're tied. You good with that? Yeah, I would put this above Capital Punishment. Okay. So it's actually the 14th best show. Um, small bump up. So it's right above Capital Punishment. It's tied with Capital Punishment 2011. Slightly above No Mercy 99, the U.S. version. And I I guess surprisingly enough, below Armageddon 99. And really close to WrestleMania 28, which I think is interesting. It's it's less than a mm. point below WrestleMania 28. So Wow. Kind of our third straight season that we've had a disappointing mania. Wow, yeah. Um, and for me, third straight disappointing Royal Rumble as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this season has, you know, had some wild ups and downs, and we close out the year, close out the season, I should say, um, with you know a disappointing WrestleMania. But all things considered, it kind of, I don't know. I think when you think of like really bad shows, like over. I don't know, overperformed a little bit. Like it's not scraping the bottom of the barrel. It's, you know, got some bodies to step on. Um, but yeah, I think a stronger finish than what I would have thought for the show. Yeah. It's just more disappointing than bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's fine. It's just not something I'd want to watch again, but it's also not something I'd hate. Like if I had to watch, it, I'm like, Oh God, you know? Like if it's expectation just, it, yeah. was the category exactly. for us, you know, like this, this one would be swimming in the negatives. Yeah, it's more just because it should have been better given all the talent, how hot the product was. It just feels like a big miss more than anything. And it's not alone in 2000. You'd see that again with King of the Ring and Survivor Series as well in 2000 where they're so hot and have so much going on. And they just like flub some of these big shows when it should be easy. They mm-hmm. just overthink stuff a lot. Um, all right, so let's get to our year-end awards uh, for the third time here for the season 99-2000. We have about a dozen awards or so we're going to go through. Um, so this encaps- encapsulates all pay-per-views that we've covered in this season from Backlash 99 to Mania 2000. Our MVP of the season, uh, I-, I think, to me, this jumped out as fairly simple. Uh, we went with The Rock, Marcus. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, this is you know not even The Rock's best year, but this is really like, He's starting that March. So uh, Mark, uh, the rock, excuse me, the rock is like the one constant. I think he's presented as a main eventer all season. Um, you know, he does turn face um, earlier or yeah, earlier in the season um, while triple H is still like gathering his bearings and trying to become a main eventer. We've got Austin out with the injury. We've got Foley. Who's going to be in and out with retirement. We've got the big show is going to be up and down. Um, 
but like rocks a constant and they definitely kind of I don't think they do him too many favors actually in booking mm-hmm. this season and he really like rises above and makes whatever he's in like better than what it should have been um thinking back to like the Billy Gunn match the big show match and he does a lot of putting people over this season too um especially for Triple H um I think he loses every single time to Triple H this season um just trying to make him the foe that he needs moving forward so uh for me it's a no-brainer it's the rock yeah yeah i think you pretty much summed it up i mean i don't know who else would jump out as being as consistent especially early too like he navigated us through some shaky shows there in the spring and summer um was a stalwart like some of the uk shows he was a great end that big promo he had in the uk was really funny so uh, he pretty much took whatever he had to work with made it work always showed up and delivered so yeah and another thing like his promos on a lot of these shows he does get a promo and you know those promos you know gained an extra extra point of war for us so mm-hmm. uh even in that point like rock has a lot more value i think than uh, anybody else had to give this season all right our silver slugger so this is the best match average uh with these big pay-per-views they could be at least on three i think we said uh mm-hmm. for ones that are a little bit less i think we'll shrink that down but for now uh with steve austin with the highest match grade rating average of 3.57 for us so it's actually our weakest of the three silver sluggers so far from the seasons, but still pretty strong. Um, were you surprised it was Austin? A little bit, yeah, but like Austin still brings that intensity, mm-hmm. uh, even though he is all banged up and dinged up here. Um, he still brings that intensity, and that goes a long way for, I think, for both of us as far as our, our match grading and scoring goes. Um, everything he was in was like really good, and Steve Austin's not going to allow himself to be in anything bad, so... Um, the overall score though, just a 3.57 mm-hmm. that does feel, you know, pretty low. And, um, I don't know. It's like somebody went in, <laughs> went in silver slugger, but you know, batting, you know, right. 290, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, it must be a pretty rough year for everybody. Yeah. As we've talked about, I mean, matches were down across the board in this season for sure. Uh, but he did have some good stuff early, but he also had a couple of, like the latter match in the McMahons was kind of down. I mean, we didn't even cover one of his worst matches, which is over the edge. We didn't include that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even SummerSlam is a little disappointing. But he also misses a bunch. I mean, after No Mercy, he misses like the last four, five shows. So, um, you know, he did a lot of work before that. But you wonder, um, you know, kind of other options where they kind of came in. Yeah. All right, our Vince Scully Award for our best announcer uh, was very easily Jim Ross for this one. Uh, him and Lawler pretty much do every show. I think Doc did that one, the UK one, uh, as Michael Hayes or you know whatever it was at the time. But beyond that, it's pretty much just Jr. and King, and that's an easy choice. Yeah, Jr. going back to back, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's done yet. All right, our Mendoza Award, so at least three matches with lowest grade, goes to poor Jacqueline oh. with a .67. Man. Um, so that just tells you just where the women's stuff was at oh, at this point. That's so sad. No bueno. Because she's probably, like, <laughs> the best person in any of those matches. That's really unfortunate. Sorry, Jackie. Yeah, it's the women were bad. You know, Mula didn't have enough to qualify, really. Uh, she would have been in there. Um and then even someone like Midian, who you think would be up there, like it was not even close. That's how bad like the women's stuff was. That even yeah. he wasn't even a realistic option at that point. Uh, all right, LVP. So LVP and MVP, we do more by the eyeball test, right? Versus just match. 
Right. And we ended up going big show. He had a lot of bad shit out of the gate through most of the year. Kind of looked mm-hmm. like a goof when Undertaker was making him his bitch, even though like the tag team was kind of fun. Then, you know, he gets dragged by Boss Man, <laughs> and then he wins the title, but <laughs> he kind of looks like a goof at the Rumble. He pulled it together late, like no way out. He's good, but I don't know. There's just a lot of ups and downs, and those stuff with Kane. Yeah, it was really bad, and we had to deal with that a few times. Yeah, we sat through way too many Kane Big Show matches in the uh, early and middle part of the year. Yeah, yeah, so LVP I mean, for sure. Look, could have won the Moolah, but again, didn't really do as enough or as much. Big Show was consistent throughout the whole time. Yeah, a lot, plenty of opportunity, and he makes the least of it. All right, our best performance usually pretty much goes to like the best match of the season. We ended up going with the triangle ladder match. Yeah, um, it's a template moving forward. It's a um, generational match, I think you could say. Mm-hmm. And um, I did want to, you know, I, I was thinking about just giving it to the No Mercy match, but I think once you get the Dudley Boys in here and just the added element that they bring, um, it makes sense to give it to this match. Was this our only double five of the season, too? I believe so. So, easy choice there. I mean, we both had it as the best match. All right, Rookie of the Year, we went the Hardy Boys. This has to be someone that was not in any previous season at all. So, they debuted over the summer. Uh, I mean, I don't... We did have a lot of debuts during this stretch, but they were consistently great. Mm-hmm. I mean, just those two matches, just the three matches alone should do it, plus the other stuff they did was pretty solid, too. But when you look at No Mercy, Royal Rumble, and Mania, I mean, no one's touching them. Yeah, um, they just bring such a uptick in quality to the tag mm-hmm. team division. Um, they work a different style than everybody else, a different pace, a different speed. Uh, they can take some bumps. They can give some bumps as well. Uh, really enjoyed the Hardy Boys this season. And kind of a surprise, like not who I would have thought would have been Rookie of the Year uh, when I looked at this season. You know, I think Jericho's out there. Kurt Angle is out there. Um, Chris Benoit and Eddie, like there were some some – Definitely some heavy hitters uh, that make their debut this year, but um, the Hardy Boys, I think, were there the longest. And like you said, I think those three matches stand above anybody else. All right. The most main events, not a surprise. It was uh, Triple H with nine. Most matches won, also not a surprise, was Triple H with nine. And most title matches, probably not a surprise. That was Triple H with nine. So he was in nine main events, non-title matches, and one nine pay-per-view matches as well. So Triple H, uh, interestingly enough, not our MVP, despite dominating the season, um, tells you what we probably thought of some of that, but it really is very much his season. Uh, It's very much uh, sledgehammered into (laughs) our brains and our eyeballs (laughs) as being a main eventer. You know, he definitely, you know, had, has ability. Um, It's not like, you know, he was complete bomb. Uh, he was flirting with that upper mid card territory, but you know, to their credit, like they commit with making a main eventer. They needed mm-hmm. to make somebody um, with Austin going down and with Undertaker getting older and injured and stuff like that. Like they needed to make somebody, and they decided on Triple H, and they present him as a main eventer. They treat him like a main eventer, and he wins like a main eventer. So, um, but not our MVP, like you said. All right, most matches lost, I think, would be a surprise um, to most people. I wouldn't have expected this, but it's Edge, who lost 10 matches in this season. So, tough year for Edge. 
Yeah, tough year for Edge. Uh, this is the season where he got the extra Intercontinental title match with Jarrett. Like, he loses yes. the title on pay-per-view. Um, and then he's also just got a ton of, like, tag team stuff. Mm-hmm. Rumble. Like, he's in a lot of multi-person matches, so maybe he's not directly taking the pinfall. But, um, yeah, definitely, whew, what, 14 events did we cover this season? I think so, yeah. I think so, but, yeah, on the losing end 10 times, it's that's a rough draw. Yeah, and like you said, that one match with Jarrett, Breaks him off at Christian to put him ahead for the losses. So, um, all right, best crowd we went with SummerSlam. It was our best show of the season, obviously, and the crowd was was really hot for for pretty much all of it. Um, it's it's a shame that the MSG crowd in that Rumble is so shaky because normally you would think it would just be them, but the SummerSlam crowd in Minneapolis was really good. Yeah, they were on fire. I think they were definitely the crowd of the year, atmosphere of the year as well, in my opinion. All right, our top five performers, our all-star team, uh, which, again, will noticeably not have Triple H in it, um, was, I thought, interesting. But we went with uh, the top five, The Rock, Steve Austin, Kane, X-Pac, and The Hardy Boys. So the all-star team for us is, like, the five, you know, people we were most interested in watching, provided the most entertainment, delivered time and time again. Uh, we liked Kane and X-Pac as a team and in their feud. They were both really good. They were on a ton. They looked great. Uh, Austin's Austin obviously had the best matches of the season. Rock was our MVP. He's got to be there. And then the Hardys were, you know, fantastic too. Just like all the stuff we talked about. Yeah. Hardys are the glue. They, again, those three matches, you know, no mercy rumble and WrestleMania. They're, they're, you Mm -hmm. know, the dynamite. I think they make everything explode. So, um, and of course rock Austin, no brainers and Kane and Xbox super enjoyable the entire season, whether they were a team or feuding against each other. They really like glue together the mid card slash upper mid card scene. And then finally, our all loser team, our bottom five performers <laughs> of the season. Uh, big show of, is our captain for this one, of course, is our LVP. Then we went with Billy Gunn, who really butchered what could have been a pretty good push. Then this kind of slogs back to New Age Outlaws. They don't really have many good matches. Then he gets hurt. Uh, Fabulous Mula, who really single-handedly <laughs> played a big role in submarining the women's division. Just two Again. all-time awful <laughs> matches. <laughs> Terrible. Um, Al Snow, who showed some promise, bombed as a solo heel, got stuck with head cheese and just kind of bottomed out. Uh, also had his dog eaten, was in the worst, <laughs> one of the worst matches ever with the kennel from hell. Just a lot of bad with him. Uh, and then the King, who we really just, you know, took to the woodshed on commentary quite a bit. Um, sexist, horned up, racist bullshit, like from him throughout most of the season. JR definitely carried the booth um, and added a lot, but he, he was a detraction through most of it. Yeah, if there is an isterism on the end of the word, Jerry Lawler is it this season. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know having his dog eaten got me good. Um, yeah, what a loser he's turned out to be the entire season. All right, so that'll do it for our awards and for our season, Marcus. Before we uh, give away our final pay-per-view rankings of where we stand, anything in particular in our connection you wanted to call out? Uh, yeah, so uh, this weekend following uh, this program, uh, Johnny C is going to be breaking down the uh, WrestleMania 2000 card and doing a little bit of rebooking himself. So take uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, and then anything you want to point out? Yeah, I would just say Cronoso Daily drops every day at 8 a.m. <clears throat> we have about 12 to 15 staff members going through every WF pay-per-view, Saturday's main event chronologically, match by match, one match per day. 
generally under 15 minutes. A uh, good way to start your day. Like I said, it's out there for you at 8 a.m. We're into, uh, I guess, probably by the time this hits, we're into 87 uh, or close to it. We're just going match by match, day by day through the cards. And it's cool hearing the different voices and perspectives. It really adds a different slant to something like that. Yeah, moving right along. All right, well, let's move right along to our pay-per-view ranking. So here's where we stand uh, at the end of this season, 99-2000. So our bottom show right now is Over the Limit 2011 with a negative 9. Uh, sorry, a little malfunction over here. Uh, followed up by United Champions 2011 with a negative 3. WrestleMania 11 with a negative 0. 0.75. Elimination Chamber 2012 with a 2.75. No Mercy 99, the UK edition with four. Royal Rumble 1995 with a 5.5. TLC 2011 at 6.25. Royal Rumble 2012 with a 6.5. That is tied with King of the Ring 94, which you get the bump at 6.5. The Survivor Series 1994 with a 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011, 8.75. The Survivor Series 1999 with an 8.75. SummerSlam 94 with 9. Vengeance 2011 with a 9.5. Hell in a Cell 2011, 11.5. Rebellion 1999 with a 12.5. No Mercy 99 with 13. Capital Punishment 2011 with a 13.75. Tied with the show we talked about tonight, WrestleMania 2000, 13.75. WrestleMania 28 with a 14.5. Armageddon 1999, 15.75. King of the Ring, 1999, with a 16. And then we get into our top 10 with Backlash, 1999, with 16.25. Unforgiven, 99, with a 16.5. Survivor Series, 2011, with an 18.75. No Way Out, 2000, with a 22.5. SummerSlam, 2011, into our top five now, with 23. Fully Loaded, 1999, with a 26.25. Our third best show, Royal Rumble 2000 with 28.5. Coming in at number two, Money in the Bank 2011 with a 28.75. And then our number one show to date, SummerSlam 1999 with a potentially insurmountable 38.25. We said that about Money in the Bank too. Very true, very true. So especially with uh, (laughs) what is on the horizon for us, uh, we know we have got some high quality steak cooking on the grill Mm -hmm. uh, with our next season. And who knows that could be enough to uh, bump up and crack the uh, top five. All right. Well, we will see how that plays out uh, for sure. One thing I did not do, but I'm going to do real quick here. Um, Any final plugs you want to do Marcus? I just want to run the total war and the average for the uh, season to compare. Yeah, go for it. Uh, while you're doing that, I'd like to tell everybody about Final Wrestling Place that is available over on the soon-to-be-named network. That is where myself and my best friend, not the tool man, Tim Taylor, uh, you can hear us also do um, Viewer's Choice right here on the North-South Connection after every WWE, AEW, and NXT uh, pay-per-view. We tell you what to watch, what to skip. Um, but you can hear us over on another feed that is the soon to be named network where we do a final wrestling place where we take the announced professional wrestling. We put them into either the good place or the bad place with arbitrary red points and green points. Uh, so right now, uh, we finished 
uh, our first run of the podcast, and we are going back and we are revisiting every season that we've done. Uh, so many years have passed by, and uh, we're just reevaluating things, seeing if our opinion has changed. Uh, so I think right now we are wrapping up or have just wrapped up the uh, Intercontinental title season, which is the best wrestlers to win the Intercontinental title but never win the WWE title. Very good. Do you want to talk about one more show on North South? Anything you want to call out? Uh, yeah, that is the, I guess now, by now it's not a return. You guys have been back for quite a while, a while but uh, Wrestling Warzone is my, my probably my favorite podcast. I love hearing you and Chad Campbell break down uh, the Monday Night War era of WWF and WCW. Um, yeah, you guys absolutely kill it. You crush it. Um, I love all the insight and analysis that you guys provide, um, especially whenever Chad uh, gets to talk about <laughs> Disney. I recently went back and listened to the uh, Disney tapings, uh, the nitros that you guys did. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't, go back, check out uh, the back catalog of Wrestling Warzone and uh, get called up because you guys are getting into a really exciting time um, as you start cooking, you know, really like the pre-attitude era. Um, you guys are right on the precipice of that. The NWO is still running hot. Um, you know, Sting's going to be showing up pretty soon, I think. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, lots of great stuff you guys are doing. And I look forward to that every other Thursday. All right. Well, I did some tallying. So we had a total war of 231.75 for the season, which is 100 more than 11.12. Um, so there you go. Divide that by 13 shows. Average score is 17.8, and our previous average high was 10.2 for 11.12. So 99.2000 by far has been our best season. Wow. Okay. Um, easily, when you look at average score, 94.95 uh, was in last with 5.6. So, I mean, outpacing that greatly. So it's we'll see what can touch it. But as of right now, it's it's a very daunting task to uh, top what we've uh, really – christened one of our you know to be our best season here in 99 yeah and you know maybe this season broke the system uh maybe it found a way i think you know this season is kind of the equivalent of that uh phoenix suns offense with mike d'antoni <laughs> uh just jacking up a shot every seven seconds um whether it's a good look or not and hey some of these shows those shots went in uh SummerSlam fully loaded there's definitely uh, a lot of shows that just have a ton of stuff going on, but it's all good. And then there's also some shows where there's a lot of stuff going on and is not necessarily good. Uh, WrestleMania was definitely dinged for that. Um, Armageddon and Unforgiven, I don't think, um, were the best shows. Definitely could have been a lot better um, if they were trimmed down a bit. So um, I think that's the story of this season is just put up shots. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I think in the end, um, you know, at least being through three seasons now, um, turned out to be in the benefit of this season. Not only did it break the system, we'll see if our next season perhaps shocks the system. Crazy for you there. We'll be back in two weeks with the kickoff of our next season, Marcus. I'm excited about it. Kicking off season four of Duty War. Remember, live your life above replacement level. Pippin' ain't, 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 pippin
Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man. Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man. God.